Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast where we discuss common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. I'm Mark. I'm Matt Miller. I'm Matt Henry. And I'm Lena. Remember to like this episode and share it with all your friends. We also have our new website with all the show notes on it and everything. So check it out if you want more information, more Bible references. We're going to continue our talk on demons. And you definitely want the show notes for that. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Okay. What was that? <laughs> Just kidding. Were you trying to be like a demon? demon <laughs> <laughs> well, it's I'm brooding. First of all, that's brooding. Not, that's not how they laugh. It's the best they could do. Well, I was really impressed. You write out that intro? No, I'm... Okay, yeah, that was pretty good. Off that the sounded really I'm good. Professional. You, you and then it we just drag it down to. Then we do this. Yes. Whatever. <laughs> like, why do you do this? Why don't you just start the episode and start talking? Because they say we're supposed to do funny banter. The, but we're it's not like, bantery. Yeah. We're funny. It's the best we got. No, we're it's, sarcastic jerks <laughs> actually, who lack grace. What's really sad is that's pretty accurate. If someone could know what our meetings are truly like. Oh yeah. Which is why they never will. <laughs> no. Truth and love, baby. Yeah, all right. It matters. Okay, demonic activity, possession, and exorcism. That's what we're talking about today. So stop laughing, Mark. So we talk, <laughs> and we're <laughs> gonna we're, we're, we're gonna finish it today. We will. Um, so we we have talked about their existence in the Bible. We talked about the terms that the Bible uses to speak about demons, and we've also talked about the various theories on the identity of demons. And so today. Um, Again, we're going to talk about demonic activity, expulsion, or exorcism, and then where they go, what's their final destiny. We also talked about the sons of God and the Nephilim of Genesis 6. You forgot to mention that. That's true. You're right. Well, I failed. Well, that's okay. Okay. All right. So, so let's get into the activities of demons. Let's do this. Okay. Um, so they, they generally speaking, they extend Satan's power. Yeah, by the way, it's worth understanding that we're not doing a lot of guesswork here. We're just going to say, here's what the biblical texts are showing us, and we're drawn from there. So, you're not going to hear any really cool stories right. or yeah. freaky things. We're just saying here. That's why we're using terms <laughs> yeah. like, generally speaking, <laughs> it says right, right. this. And, so. and you can look it up. We're, we're not going to give all all the we're, we're not going to read the verses Hence but we'll give the, the references notes. yeah so you can check it out in the show notes although i'll read this one um <laughs> ephesians 6 11 through 12 um here you can see how demons in a general sense extend satan's power and his reach so it says put on the full armor of god that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. So there's a plural there. It's not just Satan, it's forces, you know, right. spirits. But but they they are what create this, are part of his schemes. So right, right. he's got his schemes and he works it out through these spiritual forces. Mm-hmm. So specifically, what are some activities? All right, so 
simple. None of these will be uh, earth-shattering. The first is they promote idolatry, and so you have passages like 1 Corinthians 10, 14. Um, illustrations of this would be their association or probable association with the occult. Uh, an example in the Old Testament would be 2 Kings 23, 24. That's Oh, and then Second Chronicles thirty three five through seven. That's crazy. Um, that's the one where uh, the evil king Manasseh, who's the son of Hezekiah, uh, he did divination, omen reading. He did sorcery, and then I was reading it, and he also had a pit, um, a conjuring pit or something like that, uh, that was dug, and then he had sorcerers. Who oversaw it? It's like this guy was full on into the occult. He was just, just couldn't put in a pool. Whoa. <laughs> We're going to do a no, divination no. pit. Yeah, let's just bring up the spirits from the underworld. I mean, why not? Um, and then you have also, though, in the New Testament, the slave girl who was bringing her master much profit via the fortune telling. Uh, in Acts sixteen sixteen, it says that she was to have a spirit of divination. Um, so. Those are just some examples of the occult work, and there seems to be a clear connection between them and the demonic activity. Yeah, and that's the one where Paul casts, right? And then they lose their money yeah, for profit-making, so, so no. they get, yeah. Yeah, so they riot. Yeah. Um, in First <laughs> Timothy 4.1, um, you also have Paul there. He's warning that some will fall away from the faith. Um and how will by paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons? Um, so obviously in line with the idea of false worship, uh, false worship is a way in which idolatry takes place. But here, the means of that idolatry is the false teaching that's resulting from the works and the efforts of these demons to deceive. Yeah. In fact, if they want an illustration, I could give one off the cuff here of prosperity gospel. Right. Um, because... The love of money is idolatry. And so here coming into the church is a doctrine of demons where it, we're going to be prosperous here and now and blah, blah, blah. And that's what the gospel is all about. In fact, it's actually demonic. and But it doesn't look demonic um, to most people uh, or many at least. Uh, in Revelation 9.20 then you also have it. It reveals that part of mankind will be given over to the worship of gold and silver, brass, stone, wood, in other words, material stuff. But it also talks about how many will be given over to the worship of demons. It's just blatant. And we see that again today. Paganism in America is on the rise. Yeah, yeah. So the the promotion of false worship or idolatry. Right, right, right. But then you have, um, we see them causing mental disorders. Uh, so Mark 15, 5, 15, Luke 9, 39. Now with this one though, um, we would say that great care needs to be taken not to assume that all mental problems are somehow demonically caused. Now, it may be the case, but in any event, there's no objective way to know that this is being caused by a demon. Which is key. Right. So so I would say there's no value in even trying to d discern that. Right, right. We We know it because we have a couple of passages that tell us that. But, but we don't have any ability on our own to just say, oh, this thing is caused by a demon. So all we're saying is, biblically, we see some examples that way, but you want to take great care um, in, in what you say, or especially when you talk to somebody who's struggling with something, and you say, well, I think it's a demon. You're, you're stepping way beyond your right. Yeah, and then, I, I mean, even in Luke 4, he distinguishes demon activity from 
sicknesses right. or physical infirmities. Right. And right, I would right, right. put some mental disorders under that, of course. Well, and you just mentioned it, but another thing that they do is that they're at times causing physical infirmities. Um, so one example, Matthew 9, 32 to 33, it talks about uh, a person who's mute, unable to speak, um, and he is... It's being caused by a demon. And you have other examples that you can see in the show note. But there's also that they circulate false doctrine. First um, Timothy 4.1 is probably one of the best known passages for that. They work signs and miracles in Revelation 16.14. That one's interesting because all the great miracle workers in our day um, who are doing signs and wonders, and maybe they're actually even doing something it doesn't matter if it's real or not. Here you have them being real, but they're being yeah. caused as a result of demonic activity. Yeah, well, and that even gets into the Matthew 7 passage. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, we in your name we cast out demons. We He doesn't debate that they did. Yeah. Right. He just says, I never knew you. Right. Uh, and so every time we, yeah, I get so frustrated when you start seeing people saying he's he or she is a man or woman of God because they do these things. It's like, yeah, you it's don't no know sign your theology. God it means nothing. Right. Yeah, but it in Revelation 16, it's going to cause many to uh, go astray because they have no theology. Um, they also have the ability to impart superhuman strength, like in Ma uh, Mark five two through four. I believe that's one where you, they tie him up with chains and he just breaks them. Right. The gathering. Um, yeah. yeah, and then they exercise influence in human governments. That one's a huge one. Uh, in Daniel 10, Ephesians 6, uh, 12, where it talks about them being principalities and powers, there is there is that unseen force behind the physical that we we see that we oftentimes forget about. And um, it's important that they understand that there's two aspects to our reality, what we see and what we can't see. And the important stuff's actually in the what we can't see. So then the next th uh, thing would be demonic possession. Which everyone loves to talk about or think about, but right. again, there's not a lot of data. There's not. And in fact, what's interesting is that there is no word actually right. in the original with the uh, idea of possession um, there. Now, there's other you know connotations attached to it, but there there's no actual word possession in the original. So just to give some of the biblical terminology here... Um, the, what would be the first one? You serious? You want me to do it? I can uh, yeah, do it. Okay. you, you translate. Does this one diamondizomai? Yeah, you got right. it. Diamondizomai. All right. Um, well, I, I was like, I think that's what it is, but yeah. Uh, Anyhow. Which means demonized. Yeah. But it's not possession. It's demonized. Quality. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you got that in Matthew 4, 24, among others. Uh, then you have echo and daimonion to have a uh, demon mm -hmm. or to possess a demon. Uh, again, it's not overtly what we think of as demon possession. We, we don't, the words leave some questions as exactly what's meant by that. Right. right. Um, then you have um, a kleomai or an a kleomai, which is to trouble or annoy or disturb. Um, again, in that Acts 5, 16 passage, um, for instance, or Luke 6, 18. Uh, then you got ace erikamai, which is to enter into. Um, but again, what that means, we don't know. Um, you see that, for instance, in Luke 8 and verse 30. 
Um, what's another one? Uh, you couldn't have to do this one. <laughs> yeah, okay. The preposition in plus pneumati, um, akatharto, which ah, is, that's what that, oh, yeah, that. with, you know, so the idea of with an unclean spirit. Um, uh, Karaduna kata, stuo, which is to oppress, exploit, dominate, X 10, 13. And then you have pneuma plus uh, lambano, uh, and then plus the victim. Um, and this translates something like, and the spirit seized him, for instance, in Luke 9, 39. And so there's all the, these terms, these terms being put together to explain uh, the influence of demons or their activity upon right, right, right. humans in some capacity. That's the important thing. It's how, how they interact with the human. Um, but there's no clear definition. And nowhere does the Bible say, and this is what that means, or this. Um, and so they should understand that you should not get your theology on this from like Amneville Horror Show or something like this. Um, there's questions as to what exactly is meant. So from there, we'll, we'll deal with some definitions, problems, consideration. Um, there's a issue of control or temporary, temporary, <laughs> ah, um, temporary domination. Um, most theologians will make some kind of a distinguishing idea between influence versus possession um, because the Bible never actually says a person can be possessed by a demon. Uh, rather, the influences or, or the emphasis upon the influence or the control of a demon uh, upon that person. So it's best to see the issue not as whether a demon is inside or outside a person, but have the, the fact that the demon has some sort of access, which again, we still have questions what that means, but right. the point is that they have this access to the, the person. So then the question, can a believer be possessed um, or be uh, even influenced by a demon? Because, um, you know, the question always is, well, you know, unbelievers can, of course, be possessed, but believers can't. That's just what people say. Um, well, it's a thought that's growing in popularity, of course, with the spiritual warfare movement um, that's alive and well in the church today. Um, now, if what is meant by this is that the demon has so controlled the Christian that he's unable to exercise his will or obey God and what he has revealed in his scriptures, well, then the answer to that is no. Absolutely. Um, nowhere does the Bible ever give that kind of power to a demon with regard to a believer. Right, where they're rendered helpless. They're, yeah. they're unable. It, you will hear people who actually will claim that, though, but it's like, no. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, can a demon have influence upon a Christian? Well, the answer to that is, of course, certainly, um, which is why there's warnings <laughs> <laughs> over warnings given in the Bible to avoid such things, you know, avoid doctrines of demons, for instance, First Timothy 4.1. Um, there's that demonic kind of wisdom, James right. 3 and verse 15. Right. So what what are some characteristics of possession? Well, since the demon is the one controlling, there may be at times demonic activity present, but it's not like, again, the movies. So you're not looking at pea soup coming out and head pivoting and stuff Walking like that. Walking around like a crab. Right. Um, there, there's a close psychological identification between the demon and demoniac. So um, you, you were the one explaining this to me today. Why don't you just kind of take them through that passage? Because I thought you did a really nice job. Well, sure. Well, so in Luke 4, 22 through 25, did you want to... Would you want to read that, or I don't know if you have it. Okay. 
And there was a man in the synagogue possessed by the spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What do we have to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him without doing him any harm. She does a demon pretty good. <laughs> well, she I also kind of, she's also like laughing, eh. though. Yeah. Eh. Um, <laughs> what is it? Like, ugh. Golly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> What's the Wait, Greek, Matt? Totally, What's the Greek? Golly, <laughs> Uh oh. Okay. Okay. Um, so eh. yeah. <laughs> um, so what, what's really interesting about the passage, though, and your your eyes just kind of pass over it, but um, you have here um, the demon speaking in the plural, right? And yet the text states that there is an unclean spirit, singular. Um, and so you know, then he talks in the plural in verse thirty four. He says, "Ha! What do we have to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth?" Um, have you come to destroy us, plural? And then he does the singular. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So it's this, and he's using the man's voice. Right. Um, so on the idea of this being some kind of uh, psychological phenomenon, um, you know, this may indicate demonic activity in certain cases is seen in things like schizophrenia or dual personality, right. things like that. Um but not necessarily either, right. as, as we've also been saying. But but when you told me that, then that made me think of a book. Um, it turns out it's out of print, but it's called Psychobabble. Oh, really? Um, by Richard Gans. I think you can get a used copy for $75 on Amazon.com. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, man. I don't recommend it. It's a good book, but it's not $75 good. But, um, but it, it was a good book. The guy was a psychi- psychiatrist, uh, worked in the prisons for the mentally insane, um, trying to help these people. Um, then he came to Christ and he was never getting anywhere with them. And these people were, some of them were really messed up. And then he started to share Christ with them and watched how the gospel broke um, what nothing else could. No psycho- psychology, no psychiatry, no medication, but the simple belief in the gospel, everything went away. And he began to understand that there's a, a spiritual dimension to a lot of this really crazy, wild, and dangerous type of um, mental activity or yeah. lack of activity. And he he wasn't saying it all is. He was just realizing there's something else going on here. and right. And that was just a modern day example of Kind of what you're you're bringing out in this passage, where, um, yeah, you're, it's like what is going on with this person? That's he, we, uh, right? Well, that, and that's an excellent example because my when I preached this text, my application was, you know, everyone's trying to figure out, okay, what's the formula? What's the incantation? How do you exercise these things? And my application was, you don't do that. What you do is you preach the gospel, right? Because you're preaching to them their impending doom, essentially. Right. Um, and so what you're doing is you're you're calling that person who you're, is under you're, the you're influence. You're preaching to the demons. Right. Right. Their impending doom. But then in, in in the same token, you're calling the person under that influence to repent and call them to believe. Because if we're going to talk possession, I mean, that can't happen to a believer, you know, if the spirit of God right. is residing within them. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's a good book. I'll rent my copy for 65. And I'll do it for 50. And I, I have underlying notes. 
for free. You know what? Somebody's going to actually take <laughs> us up on that, and then we're going to have to go find it. And then it's like, I don't want to sell it. His name is come. Jordan Kinsiski. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out. Yeah. So, um, okay, so, and also you see this in the scriptures as well. More than one demon may be involved at times with the victim. Matthew 12, 45, Mark 5, 9, Luke 8, 2. Um, you know, legion, Yep. for instance. So, Which is pretty wicked, thinking yeah. about that. No pun intended. Yeah. Uh, then when it comes to demonic possession um, or, or heightened outward forms of demonic activity, it's important to remember mostly uh, or most see this during the time or it's mo- boy. It's, yeah. it's mostly seen during <laughs> okay. Jesus' yeah, earthly thank you ministry. For rescuing me on that. <laughs> it's, and, and that's important though. Again, uh, people talk about it as being normative and yet it's kind of like the times where you see all the great miracles taking place. They only happen a few times in the entire biblical text um, in, in unique moments. Well, same thing here. The, the son of God, comes and next thing you know demons are everywhere going on so uh we we you can't go beyond what the text is saying so there's not a single case in the old testament of demonic possession so that that's something worth noting um there's uh not much and and yeah <laughs> we can edit this part i'm sorry if they could only understand the burden i bear reading your your show notes Okay, so what's it say? I fixed it. Oh, so, so there's not much until you get into some parts of even Revelation again, which is the, the coming of Christ and the, the the culmination of everything. And you would expect, again, a demonic thing. But the outward forms of uh, demonic activi- activity are typically a panicked form of demonic activity. They're freaking out because the Son of God is looking at them, and they're not happy. And so, as we've been seeing, they're they're mostly working work in the realm of truth, deception, and manipulation. If we can convince you as our listener to understand that, you'll be miles ahead of a lot of other people because you're you're looking for some crazy manifestation of Satan, and the whole time he's happily at work in the church through deception and lies and and bad doctrine. Um, they don't like their presence to be known uh, because their greatest devastation comes when their presence isn't known. That's why they come as uh, angels of light. Exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, again, think about the mass amount of false teaching, false doctrine that exists. They can create great more uh, a great greater amount of destruction through systems of false religion than if they're simply seeking to influence people one by one or doing crazy stuff. So, yeah, keep that in mind, and you'll do well. Um, and then the next point on this is uh, <clears throat> demon identification and expulsion or what people call exorcism. Um, now, there are many so-called exorcists um, that are out there who claim that um, there's demon possession in anyone who will not confess Christ. Um, that's how they're viewing demonic possession. If you don't, If you don't believe in Jesus, if you don't profess Christ, well, then you have a demon is what they'll say. Um, but that, that's due to a, a misapplication typically from 1 John 4, 1 through 4. Um, and they're, they're using it as a kind of litmus test. It's, yeah. it's that one where it says, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist. Um, and so they're using that passage to say, hey, see, you don't prof- profess Christ. 
you got a demon. Yep. And so now they're going to try and start exercising this thing out of you. And then, yeah, and it gets into that weird, they, they assign some almost mystical, magical power to just literally the name of Jesus. Like, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, you yeah. can't say his name. That's proof that you're demonic. Yeah. And it's like, that's not the point. Can I ask a quick question? Because I think I, I think you mentioned it in one of your past sermons about demons. Is like there's you're either in Christ or you're in the world, and there's in Christ or there's the de demonic worldly realm. So what's the difference between what you said there in a statement like that? Well, one is you're under the influence of the worldly system, an okay. unbelieving system. But that's not to say that somehow you have a demon personally in you, possessing you, taking okay. over you and your body and your mind and all those things. Uh, but we all live in a... Demonic world. Yeah. I mean, it's First John 5. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. We lie in his lap. And so you're, you're believing some kind of lie, but that's not to say you have a demon in you and now I need to cast it out. Okay. I mean, so that... So but, you have the guy, they had the legion in them, but yeah. everyone around them didn't have legions right. in them. Right. He, so he had this unusual manifestation of demonic activity and influence. Okay. Um, so we need to we need to be very careful, we think, before we assume that there is demonic activity going on with someone. Um, so consider the the following as an example of seeing demonic activity too easily. Um the Bible never tells us how to tell when or even if a person is what the Bible calls demonized ever. Right. I mean, it never tells you, hey, here, here are the criteria that you need to recognize, and now you can identify that this person has a demon. It's just nowhere there. Right. So somebody says, well, I know that that guy was demonically possessed. No, you. the best you can actually say is you think they were. Right. And here's my evidence or my reasons, but... You can't say, well, according to First John, blah, 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 I know. So yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So all we would say is avoid two extremes on this. The first is don't be so dogmatic um, that you're now saying that this person or that person is demon-possessed as if it's absolute true truth. Yet also don't deny, on the one hand, the possibility that a person is demon-possessed. So you, you can go in one or two extremes and we would say, don't do that. But at the same time, you're just, you're never going to know objectively. Yeah. I mean, you live in a broken, fallen world. People are sinful creatures and yeah, Satan and, Satan and his minions are very active, <laughs> but you don't know what that looks like. And right. You know, so give us some terminology associated with demon. So I'm going to read your transliterations again. So you have ekbalo which means to drive out, expel, cast out either demons or spirits. Uh, example, Matthew 7.22. They can see the other ones in the notes. Uh, ex erkomai, uh, to come out or to go out. Um, ek poru, oh boy, I can't, I can't even just say that with the R. You say it. <laughs> yeah, uh, ek, ek peruomai. Little tidbit of... Uh, knowledge for our listeners. I actually have a speech impediment with my R's. So when you get an R like near a W, my lips just don't know what to do with that. Yep. Um, 
Maybe due to a demonic activity. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll deal with it later. <laughs> we'll deal with yeah, it later. We're, we're getting into that, right? Um, yeah. Well, Epi- Ex-Ercomayet. I'm going to get it out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Epitomao, rebuke, reprove, censure, uh, Matthew 17, 18, uh, hupotasso, which is simply the word for to be subjected or subordinate. Um, that's in Luke 10, 17 to tw- and 20. So these are some of the ways that the scripture will, actually that's all the different terms right. the scripture uses to talk about expelling a demon. Um, the central issue now on divine authority and casting out demons, um, demons may be expelled, but by one who is especially authorized by Christ. Right. And that's important to hear that term, especially authorized. Matthew 10, 1 through 8, uh, it says he gave them, meaning the disciples, authority over unclean spirits to cast them out. Which implies that before he gave them that. They couldn't. They couldn't. Yeah. Um, but with here, and I would say in, in this gospel here, the point to understand is that something was given uniquely to the 12 at this point. Um, and of course, this gets into that issue of how to interpret the gospels, um, which is some hermeneutics. We're going to we won't talk about that. It's a topic for a different time. Um, you know, so do you read the narratives of the gospel, which we would say are historical documents? Do you read them as primarily descriptive or do you read them as prescriptive? Are they telling you what happened or are they telling you what you should therefore go and do? Um, and so we just land that they're descriptive um, and we can explain why some other time. Sorry, I was fixing a typo. Um, Knock it off. <laughs> well, I couldn't even recognize the word. Uh, in the New Testament, uh, such authority is not a right of all believers. And so if you want to think it is, it's fine, but you don't have New Testament text to support that. Um, the priority for believers today is to pray, which is always going to be the greatest power we possess. And you can see that in uh, Mark nine twenty nine, where it says, He said to him, them, Jesus said to the disciples, this kind cannot come out by anything but prayer. So if in doubt, why don't you just pray? Um, go ahead. Yes. Um, you know, so since we can't infallibly identify who is demonically possessed through any objective <clears throat> criteria, uh, it is wise to just deal with the sin that is before us and then preach Christ. Yeah. Um, what know, a concept. Right. Um so don't be don't be presumptuous and major in demonism or just spend too much time thinking about it or trying to figure out a tactic to battle demons. Um, don't tamper with the occult. Um, in fact, that is forbidden all throughout scripture yeah. many times. And so you are wisest to just stay away. And, and deal with what's before you, like I said. So a person's caught in adultery and they can't seem to get away from it. And somebody suggests maybe they have the demon of adultery. Well, first of all, there's no evidence that that kind of thing exists. But second, that's not what we're called to do. That we're going to call them to believe the gospel, repent of their sin, and follow Christ. That And, and if they do that, and if there was demonic activity, it's resolved. Um, so it's that simple, folks. Right, right. So, so where, where, <laughs> where do they go after expulsion? Well, uh, we don't know specifically. Uh, there's three places that the scripture will talk about. They may wander around at times and perhaps seek other victims. You have that in Matthew 12, 43. Uh, but 
then in the very next uh, few verses in 1244 through 5, they may return to previous victims. Um, and then lastly, they may be confined to what's called the abyss in Luke 8.31. So that's all we have in the way of data. Uh, I hope our listeners are starting to realize there's just not a lot of data on this um, as to this kind of a subject matter, even though a lot of people like to talk about it. Um, so their destiny. Yeah. So the, in a temporary sense, they re, some remain loose. The, the scriptures talk about that. Uh, some are confined, according to Second Peter two four. Um, some are are now confined, but will be released during the tribulation. Revelation nine one through eleven. We're given aware eschatology here a little bit. Um, apparently, all will be bound with Satan during the millennium. Revelation twenty one through three. And then perhaps some will be released after the millennium, Revelation 27 through 8. But their final destiny is going to be the eternal lake of fire, which is interesting because people will not take those other passages as literal, but they'll take this one as literal. But that, again, is for another day. But they'll, they'll, their final destiny will be the eternal lake of fire, uh, again, Revelation 20, verse 10, Matthew 25, 41. So the end is, and they, and they know that. Yeah, they do. And so that's why they hated when they saw Christ. So that's demons. And that's also the end of Systematic Theology 1. So we're going to pick up Theology 2, which is Christ, or yeah. man, sin, sin Christ, Christ, salvation, and salvation. So some really hot topics. They're going to be fun. Yep. So we do hope this has been of some help. Um, we'd love to hear how this has been helpful for you and what you think about the spiritual realm. We'd also love to hear what you think about anything related to Systematic Theology 1. So please feel free to drop us a message on social media, Facebook, Instagram, or now through our sweet website. Um, but again, next time we'll start Systematic Theology 2. And until then, make sure to tune in, join the conversation. Don't forget to like, share, comment, rate, and review, and tell all your friends. Thank you.